Welcome to Behavioral Health Today, a podcast brought to you by the Triad Network. This podcast is designed to share trending topics occurring within the world and our communities and bring them a behavioral and mental health perspective. Welcome to Behavioral Health Today. I'm your host, Dr. Graham Taylor. My guest today is Ashley Williams. Ashley is an educator, emotional wellness advocate, mindfulness expert, and successful CEO of CLIMB. Realizing that the development of emotional intelligence skills in youth predicts later life outcomes, Ashley launched CLIMB, an interactive emotional wellness software for school-aged children. Ashley was the 2022 Culture Builder of the Year for Baltimore, which honored her work to make children's happiness a policy priority. She also received the mayoral recognition for her advocacy work to advance emotional wellness for Baltimore City youth. Ashley is an alumni of John Hopkins Social Innovative Lab and was recognized by T. Rowe Price as a highlighted moonshot innovator. Ashley has been featured on NPR, The Baltimore Sun, Champions of Wellness, and Technicality. With over a decade of experience in the field of emotional wellness, she has dedicated her career to helping individuals and organizations increase their overall happiness and satisfactions in life. Ashley, welcome to our show. Thank you so much for having me, Graham. It's great to have you here. You know, Ashley, I want to have our listeners appreciate a little bit more about you, how you came into this field. I know that you've candidly shared that you've had some challenges or you had challenges kind of growing up, not feeling as though you fit in battling with some low self-esteem. You're very, you're very declarative of this and very open and transparent about it. And on your site and on your videos that you share, not having you said some of the interpersonal tools to manage the emotions that you had as a young gal. That's right. Share with us, you know, more about your early journey growing up and also how this led into the creation of Climb. Mm-hmm. You know, like most young people experienced a range of emotions and I never really had any tools to help me regulate them. Mm-hmm. And as I grew into young adulthood, so about 18 or 19, I was diagnosed with clinical depression. And I was really interested in the science of my brain, what was happening that was causing me to feel the feelings that I was feeling and to think the thoughts that I was thinking. Mm -hmm. At the time, I was also really interested in proactive approaches for managing my emotional experience. And so this is really where the story starts. I love for the science of the brain, one, and also my love for mindfulness. Fast forward a few years, I'm a classroom teacher, and I'm recognizing some of the same emotional patterns in my students, although we grew up in totally different environments, same experiences. I notice how those emotional experiences impact their academic performance, how it impacts how they engage with one another. And I worked in an environment where there was a lot of trauma. I worked in a city where young people didn't have access to a lot of resources and that impacted Mm -hmm. their performance in the classroom. So I started to practice some of the tools, the coping skills, the techniques that I had utilized as Mm -hmm. a young adult and just noticed an immediate difference in my students. I became known as the person in the building who could do social-emotional learning very well. Eventually, I was promoted to be the director of climate and culture of this K-8 school where I was responsible for the emotional health of not just the students, but the staff. 
And in that capacity, I would develop content, I would write curriculum to promote emotional wellness throughout the building and social emotional learning. And in that place, I learned so much about what we were doing in school systems that was working and what we were doing in school systems that was not working. And Mm. essentially, it was the things that were not working that compelled me to leave that position to start this company called Klon. Really good. You know, you're talking, you you mentioned twice, you were so curious about the science of your brain. And we're going to come back and talk about the science of climb because you've got some really cool step-by-step things that the users of this program can really benefit from that actually has a science behind it that has some measurable outcomes that are really significant. We'll get to that a little bit later in the show. This idea though, where you noticed these patterns that you recognize that we can bring a mindfulness to. And I'm, I'm, I'm curious, as an educator, you know, you shared witnessing firsthand our mm-hmm. youth today experiencing, as you described, debilitating stress that That's affects right. not only their academic performance, but a struggle to focus and the subsequent emotional outbursts that can come from that, which is leading to, as you described in one of your videos, kind of this crippling depression, anxiety, stress. And without going into COVID right now, because we all know some of the remnants of COVID, but let's just talk about our youth just in general. What are the underlying stressors that you'd have us understand in the lives of our young people that are manifesting experientially in these experiences that they're describing and you're witnessing? Yeah. So right now, one out of five young people in the United States suffer from a mental, emotional, or behavioral disorder. The U.S. Surgeon General, as well as the American Psychological Association, just like admitted that there is a mental health crisis for young people. Of course, we know how the pandemic contributed to that. We've been having that conversation for a while, but there are other stressors. There's like a stigma now that is accelerated for young people because of their online access. So there's bullying. A lot of young people are concerned about climate change. A lot of them are concerned about mass violence in addition to your typical stressors of just adolescence of growing up. And so what happens is this is causing trauma to young people and trauma brains have difficulty paying attention in class. They have difficulty retaining information. They have difficulty regulating their emotions. And this impacts, of course, academic performance, but also their long-term life outcomes. Mm -hmm. And so one out of three kids has some adverse childhood experience. The more adverse childhood experiences you collect, the greater the likelihood that you will develop a mental health disorder at some point in, in your life. And that It also impacts like how much you earn. It impacts the type of employment that you get. It impacts your level of engagement with the criminal justice system, in addition Mm -hmm. to just your overall life satisfaction. So the issues that we're talking about with mental health for young people is huge because Mm -hmm. if we don't address it now, it has a snowball effect where when we're looking 20 years, 30 years down the line, our young people are really going to be paying the price for our lack of movement on this issue that they are suffering from. Man, that is so well stated. I I really like that. One in five, one in three for kids with the ACE, you know, adverse childhood experiences and the trauma brain, you know, there, this is for a later show. I'd like to kind of plug this idea that there is so much going on in our youth's experience to exposure to all of these things. And, you know, they haven't, we don't have a, a fully developed frontal lobe, which is, which is involved with planning and reasoning and organization and judgment and discernment, all these things that are higher functions 
So children mm-hmm. are really vulnerable to the things that are stressors mm-hmm. in their lives, including the bullying and all the things that are going on politically, et cetera, et cetera. And we can bemoan that fact, but it's it's not going to change. But what can change, I think, is how these young people get to have this information presented to them, but how we can create opportunities to guide them through it with understanding. I, I think that comes within the family. I think that comes from healthy adults to help them understand these things. Otherwise, there's just panic in their you know wee right. little minds that they can't process these things. And there's that's exactly right. People, and there's people with agendas that want them to hear certain things and bend this, you know, whatever it is. Putting that aside for a moment, there's opportunities for them to be, I believe, guided through some of these things. So let's let's flag that for another show. We'll bring you back and we'll talk about some <laughs> opportunities to do that. For now, let's talk about some of the things you're saying with a mindfulness that can be brought to this that the young people, anybody using your program, Klein, can actually access within themselves. Mm-hmm. Of all the things related to emotional wellness, you're seeking to spread happiness. It's yeah. very clear in your sight. Why happiness? Happiness is a human right. And if we're not addressing this issue, we're denying our young people their human right. That's how I think about this. And so we access happiness when we can be at peace with what is. We're not giving our young people the opportunity to practice that skill. And that's my why for climb, you know, to equip young people with the tools to climb the daily mountains of life. Every life has a mountain. There's a mountain in every moment, if you will. Oh, I have to turn in this paper by this time. This thing happened with my kid. As adults, we're familiar with navigating those mountains. Our children are not. And often we're not preparing them or giving them the tools to to climb the mountains of life successfully. So that's what CLOM is all about. It's about equipping our young people with the tools so that they can summit their lives successfully. And mindfulness is a is one tool, one aspect that if we teach this to our young people at a very early age, we yes. can not only improve mental health, we can improve social climate, the social climate. You know, a, a healthy society is nothing but a, a group of healthy humans. And so often when we look out at our world, it's just a whole bunch of people who lack emotional <laughs> intelligence, Absolutely. which is a learned skill. The same way that you learn how to structure a sentence, the same way that you learn how to solve that math equation, you can learn the skill of emotional intelligence. So I see my work as solving a problem in the moment, but it's also a solution for, for, for the future. Yeah, that's a great piece. It's a human right. As I think about that, I think with some exceptions, you know, happy people make the world a better place and you're both at a micro level and kind of a macro level within their own personal lives, but also kind of in a global way. And the pursuit of happiness, not to be confused with, you know, the pursuit of pleasure is more hedonistic, but this pursuit of happiness, this is a noble, what one one talk show radio host talks about, it's a moral obligation. You're saying it's a human right to provide kids an opportunity to develop this part of themselves. I, and I, I couldn't agree more. But after that, we get to say that we all have a moral obligation and it benefits everyone around us when the individual is pursuing it. It benefits our humanity, as you're saying, in a larger way. We'll talk about that in a little bit more in the show too. Yeah, I really like that piece. Yeah, human right, moral obligation mm-hmm. for each of us to work towards that. Hey, let's talk That's about right. the science. Let's talk about the science behind CLIMB. So this CLIMB uses interactive assessments to deliver okay. personalized learning plans according to CASEL's five 
social emotional competency. Let me just name them real quick. Self-awareness, mm-hmm. social awareness, self-management, responsible decision-making, and relationship skills. Talk about how CLIMB works and how this interactive process that you've created, which is pretty cool. It's fun to go through and mm-hmm. see it. Really yeah. is impactful. Walk us through it. Okay, so CLOM is an example of an emotional health software that's designed to support mental health. The the software is providing an initial emotional wellness assessment when the young person logs in. Based off of the data, followed like they have daily check-ins, the software is able to measure through an algorithm where that child is with their emotional development and say like, you know what, Ashley needs support with her responsible decision-making skills or Ashley needs some support with her social awareness. Based off of that, it will provide me, Ashley, with three personalized resources that meet me exactly where I am. So a part of this is one, the accessibility of it. It travels with the child. You know, we want to empower them with coping skills that they can carry around in their pockets. The other part of it is the personalization. Every child is unique in their development and where they are and what's relevant for them. And by making it personalized, we can maintain their level of engagement. This is interesting for me because it's for me, but we can also increase their competency over time a lot quicker because it's not just so broad saying like everybody in third grade is learning this specific thing because some third graders are here and some third graders are there and some are over here. We'll be right back after word from our sponsor. Most of us spend more time at work than anywhere else doing anything else. So why not spend that time in a job you love? Introducing Triad's Jobs Marketplace, the only job site dedicated specifically to behavioral and mental health professionals. Featuring more than 1,000 open jobs from dozens of behavioral and mental health employers and searchable by location, professional field, employment type, specialization, and more. Jobs Marketplace helps you find your next career opportunity. Full-time, part-time, or gig time, make the most of your time. To access Jobs Marketplace, register for your free professional account at hellotriad.com slash BHT. That's hellotriad.com slash BHT. And then click to Jobs Marketplace. If you're already a member of the Triad community, visit app.hellotriad.com slash jobs. That's app.hellotriad.com slash jobs. Visit us today and take your next career step tomorrow. When you look at it like that, you mentioned earlier our emotional, you know, IQ, our emotional quotient, our EQ. It, it's not, it's not like at third grade you have this, at fourth grade you have this, like you might, you know, kind of um, developmental math skills, you know, you go from mm-hmm. plus and minuses to division to, you know, whatever it may be. You're talking mm-hmm. about you measure somebody where they're at and you customize a program around that. So at any time from any device, a, a climb user gets to access these industry kind of recommended surveys that measure, like you said, their state of current emotional health. And then Climb recommends these specific emotional wellness resources. And you guys have a pretty extensive library and the content of this for them to browse, but you present them with something that's specifically and customized around where their needs are developmentally. 
I love that's that. exactly right. So like if you walk into a classroom doing clom tom, you'll see kids doing different things. Every kid right. has on their head headset, they have their device, but some kids are doing deep breathing, some yeah. kids are stretching, connecting their body and the breath to induce the relaxation response in the brain. Some kids are watching an animation video talking about, you know, bullying. It just depends on what's needed in that moment for that kid. Climb time. That must be a fun part of the day to walk into a classroom when all the kids are doing their own specific part of this. And <laughs> I, I looked right. at some of the things they're offered kind of in the categories. There's a, there's a category of mindfulness. There's a category of growth mindset statements. There's okay. energizing moments. There's coping cues. There's mindfulness stretches. There's SEL curriculum. Talk about one or two of those that you kind of particularly like. I have a fancy for I really like the coping cues and like all of our resources, we worked in collaboration with experts in the space to develop them. The coping cues are maybe 30 to 40 seconds, minutes of content to redirect the child. And what mm -hmm. I mean by redirect the child, if you have racing thoughts, you can listen to a coping cue about what do I do if I have racing thoughts? If you feel like your chest is heavy, you can yeah. listen to a coping cue about what to do if your chest is heavy. If you feel like, you know, I have a boundary that's been breached. You can listen to a, a coping cue about how to establish healthy boundaries. Really love the coping cues. One of the favorites, though, from our younger children who are on the platform are the energizing exercises. That is what, like what, give me an example of the those. favorite. So energizing exercises are intended to have them move the body to reduce mm -hmm. stress within the body and also to use the breath to reduce stress within the body. So there's awesome. a lot of movement in short Tom Spain. So this could be from anywhere from... 30 seconds to two minutes tops. But of course, kids like that kinesthetic thing. So that's one of their favorite resources. That's so good. We uh, did a show recently with Kumoso, which is a breathing apparatus. Looks a little bit like a, a, a small whistle. And mm -hmm. it allows you to regulate your breathing on the exhale. So this idea of the energizing movements, the exhale stimulates the vagus nerve, which goes to all of our bodies, you know, organs and mm -hmm. allows us to come to a place of relaxation. And in a very short period mm -hmm. of time when practiced, anybody can access that. What a cool set That's of things right. to mm -hmm. teach kids that at any, at, at any time they need it, they can access these tools. And like you said, these are learnable things. You're not born with them. It's not like, oh, I, your, your, your IQ you're born with, you know, you, you can't change that very much. And so you mm -hmm. either got it or you don't, you mm -hmm. can work hard to, you know, get things, but with the, with the, with the EQ, we can grow this. Mm -hmm. It's a set of skills. Mm -hmm. And these, you know, two, four, six, the six different areas that you help kids grow it in is pretty exciting. Also, too, you mentioned something earlier. The best measure of success in life is our EQ. I mean, we all know people with a lot of letters behind their names or people in high positions that have a pretty low EQ. And mm -hmm. those are really damaging people a lot of times mm -hmm. because they're really smart. They got positions of, you know, authority, et cetera, decision making, but they're not that well tapped into parts of themselves, whether it's their own self-awareness, their own awareness of other people, how to bring people together, how to manage their own reactions to things. They're out of control on the inside. It comes out on the outside. And their relationship skills are really developmentally arrested. And no matter how much potential they have, they're hindered by a low EQ. And so you're teaching the kids very early on how to master that aspect of themselves, along with all the things they're going to learn academically. What a nice pairing for them to go mm -hmm. through in their developmental years. I agree. I think that the pairing is so important. Right now, as a society, we're primarily focused on the academics, which academics are 
are really important. I, I don't disagree with that. And it's just, it's incomplete. It's like you have peanut butter, but you don't have the jelly or the bread. Right. You need to add that peanut butter to it because you don't have a great PB and J. So when, we, the when we approach, there, there's the pairing. So when we approach the education of a child from such a linear perspective that it's yeah. it's exclusively academics, we actually limit or cause harm to that young person in the long term. Yeah, I'd agree. So you've got this, in, in terms of the science around it, you've got the assess piece, you've got the respond piece to which they are presented with these modules. And then you've got an opportunity where you define it as kind of growing. This is these are metrics that allow informed decisions regarding mental health. And you get to monitor the key emotional wellness data points and analyze the progress over time. So it's not just the kids go through some exercise and then, you know, good luck. It's these are measurable things that then you have feedback on and we continue to help them grow in these areas. Talk about the measurable aspect of this. Yeah, yeah, of course. So we're measuring those five competencies that you mentioned earlier, the social yes. awareness, self-awareness, responsible decision-making, and so forth. And we're measuring that over time within the platform. And based off of that growth over time, we constantly know where that young person needs support. That's how we're able to continue the competency growth over time. That data is then reported to stakeholders. So a, a parent can engage with that data. Good. A school can engage with that data. We're also aggregating the overall emotional experiences of the youth users. So if Timothy is angry 30% of the time, his parent is going to know that or his school counselor or his therapist, whoever is that adult stakeholder that works with Timothy within the CLOM platform. The idea behind it is that one, we can watch those emotional experiences grow more healthy over time. But two, no kid falls in the cracks. A lot of kids won't talk to an adult or to a parent, but it feels easier for them to communicate how they're feeling in a platform like CLOM. I would imagine that the skills and the opportunity to practice responding emotionally, you know, through the platform would expand their ability to then take that to a relational level, maybe with parents at some point, or maybe parents get a chance to be curious about what they're doing and have an, an, an entree into say, hey, what are you doing? What are you learning? Where have you grown? Or mm -hmm. give me a sense of an exercise or What's, a, what's, what, what's an experiential cue that I could even practice? And mm -hmm. tell me how you bring and share that with the stakeholders, whether it's employees of the school, a teacher, for example, or a therapist that you mentioned, or maybe with the parents. How do you bridge that work that the kids do with those stakeholders? So when we onboard CLOM at an organization like a school or a school district, we work very closely with them. We pair them with a partnership success specialist to help them develop a climate and a culture in their school buildings around social emotional learning and around emotional wellness. This is the type of stuff like, you know, Graham, that the work happens through consistency. So we only meet our mission as a company if we're helping these organizations to help young people utilize the product consistently, because that's where they make the gains. That's where they make those emotional wellness growths over time. So that, that's a really important component to us to be able to go in and support the schools with the implementation as well as with the climate and with the culture. We also train all of the staff through professional development on the best practices for CLOM in the classroom with their children. And we also work with 
the person on site within the building who's what we call a CLOM lead, and that is the CLOM expert in the building. And we're in constant contact with the CLOM lead to support any hiccups that come along the way that might cause a delay in the implementation of the platform. In terms of how we work with parents, that varies depending on the organization. Some schools will communicate the data from CLOM the same way they communicate grades from the academic classes. Like, you know, it's first quarter. This is how your child was performing, according to CLOM, through the self-reported data here. There's also a parent dashboard in CLOM. So a kid has their own dashboard. The whoever, what we call the CLOM champion, that's the adult stakeholder in a school building who is getting the data from the child, but then they can also sync it to a parent if that's helpful. It's up to the parent if the child, for example, has a therapist that they're seeing or a counselor that they're seeing if they want to share that information. But in order for any child under 13 to access the platform, we do require parent permission. So that's like built into the platform because from the very beginning, we want parents to be aware about, you know, this platform and how they can engage with their child as they're using it. We find that, and and studies show this as well, these type of programs have a lot more stickiness when the conversation is brought into the home, when it's Absolutely. not just something that the kids have to do for five minutes in homeroom, but when yeah. the parents are referencing CLOM and also just emotional wellness and allowing children the space to be emotionally vulnerable, it really does make a difference in, in their growth. We uh, talked earlier about this idea of pairing the academic growth with the social emotional growth. And mm-hmm. that's what CLIMB is looking to do. And, you 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 know, you, it's kind of pairing it maybe through like, a, you know, the proverbial report card where they get both, you know, here's, here's mm-hmm. the growth from first quarter, second quarter, third, fourth. But I also like the idea that you're pairing an opportunity to educate parents that being in school doesn't have to only be about academics. Mm-hmm. It gets to be about another area of growth that we can actually learn along the way, the emotional intelligence piece that maybe they didn't even know about themselves. And so they get to, you get to educate them about the importance of, you know, through a program like this, one's maturity grows. You, you, you grow in your maturity. You grow in your self-awareness. You grow in your ability of self-control. Imagine mm-hmm. that. You know, imagine mm-hmm. these things because one's, one's success in life can only be built upon whether or not this someone is emotionally regulated enough to manifest the skills and abilities and talents and gifts that they've been given if you've got a stable foundation emotionally. And if you don't, well, I don't care how smart you are. You're not going to be fully seen. So you're allowing both of these to be paired, not just in the classroom, but in the home as well to be talked about. Really nice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Thanks, Grant. Yeah. What kind of successes are you seeing? Let's kind of measure, because you're talking about coping skills towards empowerment. Mm-hmm. That's right. So 62% of our users report feeling more focused. 55% of them have shown emotional wellness growth. And I think it's about 33% have demonstrated better behavior. We also just wrapped up an IRB study. We've partnered with the American Heart Association in that study. And the data is very promising. I'm really excited when it's going to be published. I'm going to share it with you, Graham. In this study, we were looking at not just the emotional wellness growth aspects of it, but how does it impact a a school's climate? How does it impact Mm -hmm. teacher burnout? 
you know, there's a huge conversation in our nation right now about the mental health of our educators. And so there's a question and an obvious connection between how the students feel in the classroom and how that impacts the experiences of the teachers within the school buildings. So all of the data there is very promising and, and we're excited to, to publish that. I know when you talk about the ramifications of this, there's even a dollar ramification in this as well. We, we know that the, the mental and emotional behavior disorders will cost the world about $16 trillion by 2030 in healthcare, criminal justice, work days and work lost, days. and work days lost. Yeah. And this is, this, is on, this is on your site. And just by increasing the emotional intelligence and improving the emotional health, we can begin to change the course of this. And what you found, which is really cool, given that emotional intelligence is a learned skill and we can help them develop and be empowered in these areas. It, it empowers us so much to come into any situation emotionally and relationally equipped. You're saying that there's a, a study out of Columbia regarding social and emotional benefits. And you found that $1 spent on a program like this yields $11 in long-term benefits, improved mental health, reduced juvenile offenses, higher lifetime earnings, higher civic engagement. These are significant measurable aspects, aren't they? They, they very much are. And they really do make visible the importance of this type of work. Yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. it, it is. I, I think when we recognize the benefit of it, it becomes not just, wouldn't it be nice if we put this in our programs? It becomes an essential part of helping kids reach what I believe is going to be their potential. We, we always like stories on the podcast and give us a, a story of whether it's a user going through this or a family or a classroom or mm -hmm. kind of a climate in a school. What, 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 what are you noticing in terms of maybe a hallmark story that we can kind of get our arms around? Yeah, I'll give you a hallmark story. Uh, this is from a classroom from one of our schools that is based in Atlanta. I, I actually just recently went there to visit. It's a classroom of third graders, a rambunctious age. <laughs> and the classroom teacher said that prior to the start of CLIMB, she just could not get a, a clear feeling for what was going on with her students. Like, emotionally. There was also just like a lot of outbursts in the classroom, just random stuff. Somebody will throw an airplane across the classroom. It's going to set the kids off. And they've been using CLOM since the start of the school year. And she said the difference is remarkable between the kids' ability to sit and to focus before using CLIMB and after they use CLIMB. The kids themselves are also super ecstatic about it. They really love the mindfulness resources. One little girl said, like, it's just so nice to have something to go to. You know, like how wonderful is yeah. that to just have a tool so good. to go to. And then for the teacher, it's just to have her finger on the pulse. She can look at any moment to see this is what's happening with my class. 45% of my class is feeling pretty good today or 20% of my class is not having a good day. Maybe I should check in with Timothy. He said he's been angry for three days in a row. So what we mostly get is just an appreciation for the communication that now exists between the teachers and the students in the classrooms, as well as the outcome, the natural effects of practicing with these type of tools of the kids' ability to, to focus more on, on the learning at hand. Wow. That's amazing, Ashley. That really is. To be able for a, an educator to experience that firsthand and watch the transformation 
to have information about her students. It makes her interactions with them far more personal, far more understood at a deeper level. I would imagine the kids so appreciate rather than being disciplined for something, you know, bad behavior. Maybe the student or the teacher gets to understand, hey, you've had a couple of bad days. How are you doing? Mm -hmm. And they get to come in and meet them in the same way you're talking about how the CLIMB curriculum matches in a customized way where the students that gives them some exercises, this information that the teachers, maybe family even get to have, allow their interactions with a child to be kind of customized as well, if you will, at the level, at the issue that they're really dealing with in a much more known, intimate way. Mm-hmm. That's got to feel so much more personal for the child receiving that interaction. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that that's my goal. <laughs> <laughs> you're clear, Well, you're clearly hitting it, clearly hitting it. Hey, I would love for you to leave our listeners, some of whom may be educators or, or, or work within the school systems, with a takeaway message about the importance of children's emotional health and the benefits of incorporating a program like yours into their educational process. Yeah, emotional wellness should be the first thing, the same way that a person needs food in order to be energized and productive and to perform. Emotional wellness is just that crucial. It's the food that is required for a young person's success in life. And so as stakeholders, as school leaders, as teachers, as counselors, it's our job to make sure that we are providing what is healthy and what is right for our children, for their life success. And I'll tell you, this is not something that educators need to be convinced about. 93% of teachers believe that SEL is as important as academic learning. The gap is that only 11% feel prepared to teach it. So the key here as a school leader is to make sure that our educators feel equipped and ready and prepared Mm -hmm. to address it because the desire is there. They totally get how important this is. Yeah, that's really good. I'm I'm Mm -hmm. thinking as you're talking about the food pyramid, this is almost like a life pyramid where we want people to have, you know, family relationships. We want them to have educational opportunities. But we want in that pyramid for there to be that social, emotional learning component. And that's near the bottom. That's that's basically that, the foundation upon. Well, go ahead. Take it from there. No, I agree. I'm just like, yes, that's exactly it. It is the foundation of that pyramid on which all else is built. Yes. And our yeah. success is going to be predicated upon how solid that is. Otherwise, it's going to be built on a, a cornerstone that's improperly set and they're going to struggle for their whole lives. You know, as we, we we talk about the exciting aspects of CLIMB, I would love our listeners to, after the show, learn more about you and CLIMB. Give us some ways for them to follow up with you and CLIMB. Yeah, you can find us on social media. It's at CLIMB, that's C-L-Y-M-B underscore up. Or you can visit our website, which is CLIMB, C-L-Y-M-B, up.io. Really good. Well, Ashley, thank you so much for being with us today. It's been a joy to have you and for all you're doing. Thanks for that piece. You're helping to develop and creating young people that have such an important awareness foundationally about who they get to be and who they are and how to have these skills that come into life with a sense of mastery and competence that gives them confidence that they navigate life throughout their life. So really nicely done and so appreciate you being on our show today. Thank you so much for having me, Graham. This is awesome. It's been great to have you here. I also want to thank you, our listeners, for dropping by and joining Ashley and me today. It's always great to have you with us. Regarding our episode, I want to remind you that it and an archive of all of our other episodes can be found on our webpage 
at triadhq.com slash BHT. So check out our webpage, triadhq.com slash BHT, and explore our archive of podcasts and other resource materials. Thanks again for being with us on the show, and we'll look forward to having you back with us next time on Behavior Health Today. We appreciate all the support from our community, and if you like our show, one of the best ways you can support it is by giving us a five-star rating and leaving a review. Behavioral Health Today is a podcast part of the Tribe Network, all rights reserved.